Come join the zone in ARUP Friday, August 9th from 10 to 3 at ARUP at 9786 South, 500 West in Sandy. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes, and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. We're joined now by Jay Drew, BYU beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Jay, good morning. Good morning, guys. So the Cougars, the countdown to the uh, Utah game to open things up. Does it feel like the team and the players are focused on the big rivalry game to open things up, or is the uh, the first four games, the first third of the schedule, so mammoth that it feels like they're taking that on all at once? You know, I I think they're really focused on on the Utah game. I mean, that's the one you hear them talk about the most. Uh, that's the one that uh, in the spring they broke the huddle, you know, saying they beat Utah. Um, they do reference those other games, and uh, Zach Wilson, I think, specifically is, has probably been the most prevalent player that's uh, referenced the, you know, all the games. But, uh, yeah, there, it's, it, it's definitely different than years past because Utah is the opening opponent. It's, you can kind of tell that right off that, um, that, that that's kind of uh, where they're all pointed at and where they're all headed to. So, um you know, I think if, if the closer it gets, they'll probably start kind of saying, you know, the more other, you know, the whole entire schedule is a, a priority. But but as of, you know, the first two practices that we've been able to, to attend, or at least the tail end of the first two practices, um, it's all, it's been a lot about Utah for sure. Will Zach Wilson have any limitations in that first game? You know, they say he won't. Um I don't think he will either by just watch the little bits uh, that we've been able to watch and uh, by hearing him talk. Uh, Friday, Kalani said something to the effect that um, he is on a pitch count. They have it all mapped out, all planned out, how much he'll do every day leading up to that first game. And by the first game, they think if all goes according to plan, that he will be able to be 100% and make all the throws and do everything they ask him to do. A lot of what they keep harping on is his conditioning level, more so than maybe his arm condition or his arm strength. Just getting back into football playing shape. You know, he hasn't been able to to uh, do some of the you know running and some of the things that maybe some of the other players have done. So um, that to them, that's as important as as the arm strength. I think. How good is that offensive line going to be in front of him, especially going against the huge defensive line in the opener? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I they've certainly got the the pieces in place. Um, they're still, you know, looking for a left tackle. Uh, um, they every year though we kind of go down this path where we say, "Wow, this looks like a pretty good offensive line," and then and then it turns out to be, you know, pretty mediocre, um, maybe, but. They certainly they have the talent there. Um, they've got the returning starters back. There's a few holes to fill, like I just mentioned, um, but so far so good. I think Jeff Grimes is doesn't really dole out a lot of uh, praise, and he seems to be pretty happy so far with with what he's seen. I haven't been able to talk to the offensive line coach yet in the uh, in the two media availability sessions we've had, but uh, hopefully I'll get that done tonight. But 
Um, for the most part, I think they're optimistic, but I'm put, put me in the kind of the skeptical corner right now, just because we've kind of seen this before and they haven't been quite as good as maybe they were billed in the preseason. How many yards when we get to the end of the season will the leading rusher have? I, I would say 700. I, I still think that there's not the one guy that they're going to put it all on, like a Jamal Williams type or a Curtis Brown or uh, somebody like that, Harvey Younger. So I, I think they're going to still, maybe it won't be, you know, so-called by committee, you know, they won't be giving it to six different guys, but, but I think that it'll be spread out a little bit. Um, my guess is Lopini Katoa will still be the leading ball carrier, followed by Tyson Williams and then Emmanuel Asupka. But uh, I can't really see one guy carrying the ball, you know, that many times to get a thousand yards. So I would say around six, seven hundred yards. I thought with all the effort they put into getting him, that Tyson would be the guy. But you don't see it that way. Um, I just, you know, every time you bring it up, they just keep saying Lopini, you know, had such a great off season and he was, uh, he was our guy last year until he got hurt. And, and, uh, they, you know, he's really versatile. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. They seems like every time you kind of bring up, you know, that race, they, they immediately point to, to Lopini as kind of the, you know, the, the main guy. So, um, so I don't know. You would think so. I mean, if you just watch these guys, you can tell this uh, Tyson Williams is just a SEC type running back. Just his build, his burst, just you know everything about him. He just he looks like a big time running back. And so if they're you know they're uh, Katoa is going to have to be really good. Is what I'm saying it to keep this guy off the field because he he certainly looks the part. My thought for the Cougars is take the schedule in chunks, right? And we look at the first month of the season because it has the bigger names. Obviously, they have some other names at the end of the schedule with Boise and Utah State and San Jose State. I don't discount any of those teams. We'll put those off to the side for a second here, and we'll just go the first month. I think for them, the realistic goal is 2-2. Two and two. If they could find a way to come out of that schedule and that portion of it, 2-2, two and two, well, it'd be in a good spot to have what would be considered a successful season. I think that they have a good chance, and you know, to what the degree remains to be seen, but a decent enough chance to come out two and two. Am I up in the night? No, I think that's realistic. Um, if you, you know, if you asked me, I would probably say, you know, I would p- predict that they would go one and three, but. But I think they can go two and two, and I think they would take two and two in a heartbeat. If you say, you know, if you said uh, you're going to go two and two with Tennessee, USC, Washington, and Utah, I, I think there's a little bit of a danger maybe in putting all their eggs in one basket, and that being the Utah basket. And if they don't beat Utah, what's that going to, going to do to them mentally? Um, because as we mentioned before, all the talk and about beating Utah and getting revenge for the loss last November and all that. And, uh, you know, what happens if they do lose that game? What, where is their mental state that knowing they put so much time and effort into that game? Um, that'll be interesting to see, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think they would take two and two in a heartbeat. And I think it's doable. I, I know there'll be underdogs in all four of those games, but I, you know, I think they can get Tennessee. I think they might be able to get USC, um, Utah, you know, obviously past history. No, I don't think anybody's gonna 
say that that's a, a game they should win because uh, just Utah just has their number. I mean, I've, I've watched all eight of them, and it's just kind of amazing that they just don't get it done when in crunch time against the Utes. So until proven otherwise, I'm going to say that's a, a very hard game to win. So two and two right now would be a, a pretty good start. In fact, I think I think that would be a type of start where they could maybe use that momentum and, and do better the second, you know, the remaining eight games of the season. We know what Kalani's defense has looked like when he was at Utah. We know about the Kyle Whittingham style, and Kalani was there forever. He's been trying to build something like that at the Y. How close has he gotten? He just hasn't been able to get the defensive lineman that can put the pressure on the quarterback without you know bringing pressure from the linebackers. Um, Corbin Kafusi was okay. Uh, Kyrus Tonga can kind of get a push up the middle, but they, for some reason they just haven't been able to get pressure on quarterbacks with their down four, like like Utah has been able to do. I don't know if that's personnel, a scheme, whatever. And then uh, and then they'll kind of get conservative when they when that doesn't happen, then they uh, will get pretty conservative and kind of drop back into the bend, don't break type of defense, but. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't put my finger on it other than just saying they just don't have the quality of players that, that Utah has had or has now among, that, you know, among those front four defenders to, to just to generate their own pass rush. Then the linebacking crew is going to have to come up pretty doggone big. And they've had some NFL guys here, collection of talent. Maybe they don't have the NFL guy, but do they have the collection of talent that will be competitive? Yeah, I think they've got some some good talent there. It's really young. Uh, I wrote the other day that you know they're obviously looking to replace Taki Taki, kind of find a middle linebacker and kind of who's who's in the running. But they've got Zane Anderson. If he's healthy, is you know is going to kind of play that spot that Fred Warner played, the flash linebacker. They got Isaiah Kafusi on the other side. He's really good and got hurt in the Utah game and that kind of really, really hurt him in the Utah game, which showed his value. Um, but in the middle where is where they really need to find somebody. They got Jackson Kafusi, uh is there. They moved Kavika Fanua, the running back, who's been injured most of his career. They, he's probably right now, I would say, the front runner to, to be the middle linebacker, the starter. Um, they got some other guys, Max Tooley and Peyton Wilgar, but but that's definitely the hole is in that middle linebacker spot where, where you could see they're they're pr- probably vulnerable, and that's not good when you're probably facing Zach Moss on that first, you know, that opener because uh, everyone knows what he can do. So that's definitely where they got to find a guy, if you ask me. Jay Drew joining us covers BYU for the Salt Lake Tribune. So BYU is going to be seeing experienced quarterbacks in the first couple of games, and then they're going to be seeing a uh, team that USC is redoing the offense, but it's supposed to be air raid-ish, throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, then a Washington team who really dominated them. Do you think the secondary can handle the load they're about to face as a group? Yeah, I think the secondary is pretty good. It's one of the better secondaries. Uh, we learned Friday that Dion Gonwoloku is probably moving to corner. He was a standout safety last year. That tells me they're pretty confident in Austin Lee and some of their other safeties they have. 
uh, Austin Consensus and and others. And then uh, they've got a little problem at corner because of injuries. Chris Wilcox hasn't practiced yet. Um, he was injured last year, and Troy Warner has a, a foot injury that he hasn't. I haven't seen him out there yet. So then um, they lost Trevion Green, transferred, um, kind of a fifth-year transfer. They lost him. So yeah, they're they're. Uh, you know they're not maybe coming out of spring. Maybe we thought they'd be a little deeper than they are, but but they definitely have some uh, some playmakers. Isaiah Heron is another name that's been pretty good in practice, and Malik Moore. So I think the talent is there, and I think we're seeing that with the with that they're thinking they can move some guys around to get the the best four on the field. Um, but uh, as far as past, you know. BYU defensive backfield, I think if you look at those, I think this one is compares favorably, um, maybe one of the better ones they've had in quite some time. What do you got as Kalani's job status going forward? Yeah, that's kind of tricky. Uh, most schools, you know, I've kind of did a little research over the summer. Most schools, when a co- when they want to re-sign a coach who's going in, they do it when he's going into the second to last year of his deal, which Kalani is doing. So uh, obviously we didn't hear anything this summer, no extension or anything. So um, BYU tends to do things differently. That's what kind of Tom Holmo's response has been when we've asked him. Um, maybe that's saying, hey, we wait until you know the, the final year when the guy's going into the final year of his contract before we renegotiate, which I assume they did with Bronco. So it's kind of hard to really – say what they're thinking but but I I guess I would say if if he doesn't go to a bowl game this year if he doesn't uh, have a you know a, a six and six regular season record or better I think he would definitely be on the hot seat I think you can say that pretty safely so um, that's kind of I guess where kind of a long answer to, to I think uh, I think he's probably safe this year but who knows? It's just you. Just it's hard to predict what BYU does, as you guys know. Jay Drew, join us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. How do you think that impacts Kalani as far as hmm, if it's really that? I don't know if it's the, if it's that dicey or looking to move, and you got to have a good enough season to move. But if you do, does it make you a little less willing to stay in place because you're being asked to take on this big time schedule right out of the gate and? You had to wait when you wanted an extension? Yeah, he's – I don't know how it's going to affect him as far as his – just his attitude and his, uh, you know, mental preparation and all that. I, he just seems like a, a pro's pro to me as far as he'll just – a guy that's just not going to worry about that sort of thing. He's just going to, you know, put his nose to the grindstone and and – be optimistic and say that things will work out. That's just what I get from him. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would be offended or brood over, uh, you know, this perceived, you know, kind of slap in the face um, that he's not getting that extension. So that's just my read on the situation. I, you know, obviously could be wrong, but he just seems like the type of guy that he's just going to give a 100% effort until they tell him that he no longer can how was your off season, Jay? Did you bulk up? Was it a good one? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I went on a cruise to Alaska. That was good. Got to the U.S. Open and watch Cody Finau play. So that was a good off season. As far as the uh, the physical, uh, I pretty much stayed the same. So yeah. Well, at least you didn't regress. Report, Pat. Okay. Well, what's that? At least you didn't regress because I've been worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've I've pretty much uh, lost a little weight last year and then kind of kept it off. So. All's good on that front. Good for you. I tried to lose weight after you called me fat last year. <laughs> yeah, I think you did a good job. Thank you. I haven't seen you in a while, but from all reports I get, you're, you're doing well. <laughs> all reports. You got eyes on Kinahan, huh? I've got my people out there watching. <laughs> people. All right, Jay, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Okay, guys. Have a great day. Jay Drew, Salt Lake Tribune. Read them at sltrib.com. I do, religiously. I thought you might. Hey, when we come back, man, I just realized I have got great news for the listeners slash viewers. We'll get to that next. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Patriots and quarterback Tom Brady agree on a two-year contract extension. It'll boost his pay to $23 million. Both teams have an opt-out for next season. The Golden State Warriors have agreed to a four-year contract extension with Draymond Green. He's now got five years and $118 million on his deal with the Warriors. Major League Baseball, Dodgers get two in the eighth and two in the ninth to beat the Padres 11-10. Max Muncy with a walk-off two-run double in L.A. Justin Verlander wins his 15th game as the Astros take down the Mariners 3-1. He struck out 10 in six innings. Bees lose to New Orleans 8-2. Series finale versus the Baby Cakes is tonight at 7 o'clock. Get your tickets at SLBs.com or listen to the game here on The Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond Airport Parking, fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle services, detail oil changes, and glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport with the best rewards program in Utah, only airport valet service in Utah. Park, ride, and save. Just off I-80 and Redwood Road, that's Diamond Airport Parking. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you one, Bob. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Listen Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to Heart Love Alive Tour. USANA Amphitheater will be rocking when Heart brings our Love Alive Tour with special guests Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and Ellie King to town August 30th. You will not want to miss the show. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. Yeah. You have massive good news for the people. Oh, yeah, I do. I really do, man. It's official, buddy. It is official for another 52 weeks. Here you go. Yes! <laughs> he just signed a contract with KUTV. Yep. I debated it, contemplated several offers, but I think it's best that I resign with Channel 2. I think it's best for me and my family. There it is. All right. All right. <laughs> I thought you were going there in the last sentence, and you veered away. I'm glad you came back to it. So, after much deliberation, my family and I are 
We're happy to say that we're re-signing and we'll be there another year. Yeah. Sweet. So Channel 2, 11 o'clock. It's staple. Be there. It's like the first, the way I look at it, it's very much akin to the first weekend in October and April. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Saturday night at 11 o'clock. I thought you were going to say it was like March. The madness. No. Oh, no, it's not madness. That was a crazy Sunday night for you between making me do Godfather impersonations and then all those Beatles puns. Woo! I think, to me, rather than madness, I think the reason why I went with the first weekends in April and October is because it's more inspiration. Oh, there it is. Yeah. (laughs) Now back to you and your greatness. So, people, let me know how glad you are that I have decided to re-sign with Channel 2. Get on the app and tell me how much you appreciate my commitment to you. It's not about me. It's my commitment to them. From St. George to Logan, from Wendover to Vernal. (laughs) Into the great state of Idaho and Wyoming. Fact. Yes. Elko, hello. I am there, and I will be there for another 50 two weeks it's now official i put my name on it we had a party last night and i put on the channel two hat sweet yep so sorry all you other channels i appreciate your offers i thank you for your interest but i've decided to remain i was rooting for univision and and i'm doing it for you the viewer the (laughs) listener yeah that's funny because I could have said, no, I've had enough. I'm on top. I easily could have retired on top. But I'm going to continue to do 11 o'clock Sunday nights. Awesome. Let me know how grateful you are. Because it's about you. It's not about me. I thought it was about time. No, it's about you. Hmm. The inspiration that I provide that gives you the oomph to get through your week Knowing that on Monday it's difficult, but it's just six days away. Oomph. And then five days away. And then you get the point. Oomph. Yeah. And I'm doing it for you guys. There's other things that I could be doing with my time on Saturday or Sunday. But no, I'm doing it for you because I know you want it and I'm going to give it to you because I'm, I'm about the people. Other things we have been discussing today. We heard from Frank Dolce, who has his doubts about the Utah offensive line. Not so much the run blocking, he figures he'll figure that out, but the pass protection. Also thinks Andy Ludwig is, uh, has seen what worked during that month of 40-point games. Oh, he's seen it. A lot of quick passes, a lot he's of short stuff yeah, near he, the line of scrimmage. He know. And then let guys run after that. I think that the pass blocking is in doubt. I don't think their offensive line was scintillating last year. So, yeah, that's a concern. There's no perfect team out there by any stretch. And we just talked with Jay Drew about the Cougars. Your takeaway there? Uh, you know, pass rush. They've got to get a pass rush to be able to, to uh, take some pressure off everybody else. 
and pass the pass rush is the great equalizer defensively. And so can they do that? You can allow guys enough time because you know, at the level, particularly a lot of the teams that they're playing, you, know, you give whoever it might be time and he's going to eat you alive. Running back, BYU hasn't done well historically. I don't know that it necessarily means anything now, but hasn't done well historically when it's spread around. And by historically, I'm talking about these last few years. I don't really care what happened way back when. Times have changed so much. But since the Bronco era going forward. Yeah, that's that's basically what or I'm talking about. Or post-Lavelle, if you want, because they had Luke Staley. Sure. Yeah, when they had the But they stud. had several guys, right, who've had three or four. Curtis Brown had a four-year run. Harvey Younga, I think, had three big years for him. Yeah. Staley had two. Yeah. And, and in uh, most of those Jamal seasons, Williams. they were fine. Yeah, and, yeah, then, and obviously Jamal. Then you got to throw Hill in there. I mean, he was an, obviously a running quarterback, too. So, you know, can they be sufficient enough on the ground to be able to take the pressure off the pass game? Because, you know, when you are, everybody knows this, you're in a manageable second and whatever, four, becomes a whole lot different, a whole lot better for you offensively to get success. And if you don't, well, you're just asking for trouble. And J3 thinks, despite the fact they brought in two grad transfers, he thinks Lupini Katoa, off what he's been told, is the leader. Yeah, but at the same time, he said this Williams kid looks like a typical SCC running back. I don't necessarily know what that means. Sounds like a compliment. Sounds like a big compliment. It does, but what <laughs> does that mean for production? I don't care what you look like. I mean, I know you got to look the part, too, but you got to produce the part. That's more important than looking the part. And if this kid was all that, well, would he have left? So I have some doubt there. How good is he? Some of these grad transfers have come over and made great contributions. Jordan Leslie, receiver, pretty good for him. Is this kid going to be that type of player? It would be great. And I've heard Katoa from the beginning, going back to before last season, that they thought they had something in him. I mean, that's right out of the coach's mouths in just casual conversation. So this year here, and looking forward for him to see what he can do. Stay healthy, obviously. That's been a problem. I mean, they really got beat up last year. At that position. It was unfortunate. They went through a lot of guys. I mean, they're, they're running through guys who didn't even play running back uh, a third of the way into the season. You want to play running back for us today? Sure. <laughs> you know, we know that. So you got to have depth at that position for sure. I mean, that's a position that, you know, you, you can have a stud, but you need depth. And do they, do they have a stud? Right now I'd have to say no. When you have two quarterbacks, you have none. When you have two running backs, do you have a platoon or you have none? Just can they be good enough to get that that uh, that chain moving, that first uh, the, the down marker, so it's moving closer to that ten yard mark. I do think offensively they're going to be better. I think it's going to be the best offense we've seen in three years. Well, if you don't change quarterbacks, which they've either chosen to do or had to do, 
based on the health of guys they've been running out there. That would seem to be a big step in the right direction. And it's the second year with this offensive staff. They know the players better. The players know the system better. So you got a lot of logic on your side there. Yeah. And then I guess the question is, even if they're better, is that good enough? I think it's good enough to get to eight. Well, I'd sign off on eight right now if I were BYU. That'd be a two... Two-game step. And, I mean, there are teams out there that are plus four, but there aren't that many of them. Plus two is usually it's a, it's a pretty good year for a college football team. You're plus two, especially if you're already at 500. I mean, if you're crawling out of some 1-11 hole, maybe plus two doesn't sound great. But when, but when you're coming off seven and six, it's like your Devils. Would you sign off right now, plus two wins over last year? Which would put them at nine? Yeah. Counting a bowl, you'd have to count a bowl because they were seven and five going to the bowl, and they lost at seven and six, right? Yeah. So if you went nine and three and lost a bowl game and went nine and four this year, you'd sign off on that in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think when, once you're once you're at five hundred or better in college football, that that two game improvement looks pretty good. There's very few seasons, a regular season, that, that I you wouldn't, wouldn't take, take a nine, nine and three, three. right? Yeah. That, that should give you momentum out on the road. And the thing is, because the schedule's getting tougher for BYU here, Tom Homo you know, on the scheduling front is living up to what he said the day they announced independence. People will play us, and we can get people to come here, but you're going to have to give me some time. And as the time is playing out, the schedule every couple of years, it's clearly more difficult. And so if you're going to go 8-4 and four now, given who they have on the schedule, you're going to have to win some big games. You're going to have to win games that people want you to win. I just don't think that applies this year. Why not? Because Tennessee wasn't any good. SC wasn't any good. Washington's replacing a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. So the only team that I can argue that is better than last season is Utah. The only team that I can argue is expected to be great is Utah. Now, those are all big-name programs, and it, they're great teams to come in in terms of name value. But individually, are they beatable? Yes. Because if you can't beat them this year, when are you going to beat them? But you're going to have to beat some of them to get to eight and four. I don't I'm know that they're going to. They, they, they will. Yeah. If they don't, then it's a massive disappointment. I got you're Tennessee got... And, and SC two losing records. Let's not make them out to be. You're you're playing a team, not a program. Yep. You got Washington at home. They should be able to be competitive. If they're not competitive, well, then they got issues, man. Then they need to rethink everything and really dumb it down big time. Well, maybe we'll be thinking that in a month. But first, we got to see these four games. Well, I'm expecting them to and be competitive. I don't need to see these four games. And then, uh, are they going to win them? Are they going to win two I of them? I said if they're not competitive. Yeah. If you're not well, competitive, then you need to. Well, I said if you need, if you're not competitive, you need to rethink them. You can go on four, and I may not have you rethink them. Tennessee and USC are are new to the schedule. They were competitive with Utah last year. They were not competitive with Washington. No, they were not. But that was a quarterback change. But, Wilson did not play against Washington, or he didn't play when it mattered. I don't know. Maybe he got in at the end. I don't remember. Going to Wisconsin last year looks tougher than hosting USC this year. So, obviously, they're competitive with Wisconsin. They won the game. Yeah, maybe SC will be way better than last year. I mean, SC and Tennessee don't have to be what they were last year. No, but, but I'm expecting were, BYU to be better than they were last year. And they should be. 
We right. just said, second year with the offensive coordinator, players know the system, invested in the quarterback for half a year. So I'm not going to get so hyped up on the schedule. Oh, they're the only team to play all these P5s, blah, blah. I get that. But who are you playing? Just because you're playing P5 doesn't automatically guarantee P5 is all that. There's still a wide range of talent and ability. Yeah, I want to see who they play. How's the team that they're playing? Not they're playing Tennessee. I got it. All right, you're playing Tennessee. But how good is Tennessee? Three and nine. Eight and four. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not up to date on right. my Tennessee without looking it up off the top of my head. Their quarterback's from Jersey, though. He grew up not far from you. Great. Lodi. Lodi, New Jersey. Actually, I've never heard of it. Really? I've heard of stuck in Lodi, California. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. It's just a couple miles north of you. Doesn't ring a bell. So I'm not just going to write them off. Oh, they're playing these teams. And nor, if they should win, will I say, well, that doesn't really count because those teams suck this year. (laughs) I'm not going to do that either. Wisconsin didn't suck. Anyway, you slice it. That was a nice win. I mean, they weren't the greatest. I get it. But they still didn't suck. So I'm not just going to write off these guys based on, oh, their schedule's too hard. I'm expecting this, this uh, coach has been there for four years. I'm expecting competitive football. We looked at the ESPN.com preseason power ranking. They got 14 contributors there at ESPN. They hash it all out, and they have the 13th. Oregon 11, Washington 14. It's a trend. Nobody wants to commit to a Pac-12 team in the top 10. But then they immediately begin stacking up Pac-12 teams afterwards. Well, the great thing about that is if one of those teams that you just mentioned separates themselves, then they will be. If the Utes start 4-0, they're going to be top eight. Really? You think there's some big games teams will lose that early? I think Utah's generated momentum, and they'll move up. I don't necessarily think, I don't know if they're big games. I have to go look. But yeah. I think you can surpass other teams. In fact, it actually works to my advantage that there wouldn't be big games early because you would knock those other teams. I think Utah will get plenty of run by beating Utah and SC. People out there who are doing their homework, or they, maybe just the casual fan doesn't know, but pretty much everybody knows that BYU and Utah has turned into one heck of a series with all sorts of excitement, and you better play well to win that game most of the time. Sometimes Utah can kill them, but most of the time it's down to the end, and then if you beat SC on a Friday night in the Coliseum, it's going to get you a buzz. Unless SC at that point drops to 0-4, or they would be 0-3. Uh, the four. they'd be 0-3 going into the game, 0-4 if they lose yeah. Utah. Utah's their fourth game. So if they lost, if that was the case, maybe it doesn't generate buzz. And actually, if that were the case, that would, that would work against Utah in a number of reasons because you wouldn't get any buzz, and then also everybody would be talking about SC being 0-4, not you being 4-0. Right. Talk about Clay Hilton being out. Yeah, so you don't want that. You and we, you brought that up earlier. What would happen if Clay Hilton were out after a disastrous start? And if they want to go and get Urban and throw the kitchen sink at Urban, 
Yeah, Urban's going. He may be a train wreck in some ways, but he's going to win football games. He's going to win conference titles. That's just who he is, especially if he has an axe to grind. And I don't know that that's going to be the scenario. So you, for a Ute fan, you actually want SC to be good for a number of reasons. So you get a buzz. And if you start 4-0, and and then if you start 5-0 and at that point, you're definitely in the top eight, maybe in the top five. So those polls don't really matter, but they just matter in terms of name recognition and getting your product out there and generating momentum for when the college football playoff poll does come out and then also the recruiting buzz, particularly the very season. Now, a lot of these kids do commit early. I can't recall how many Utah commits have. I know ASU I just saw yesterday. That's why I know it. They just got their 16th commit. And I know it because some kid, some uh, six, seven, 800-pound lineman, yada, yada. So I just saw Staying the, home in the desert? No. Oh. He's from California. Okay. So it's just the 16th. The thing that jumped out at me, it was their 16. 16th commit. You're I like, couldn't well, name you all the 16 right. by any chance. I don't stretch. know how many scholarships they're going to have, but that's well over half the class, and it could be 80% if yeah. it's a year where they're a little so, limited. But my thought is there's got to be some premium guys out there with that early signing period. If you're having a good season, they're caught up in it. Sure. Absolutely. So even though the poll doesn't necessarily matter as much, it can generate some buzz out on the recruiting trail. And recruiting, you listen to every one of these coaches, is a year-round gig for sure. Not only is it for the immediacy, but it's for down the road. So they can, you can generate something. So if I'm a Ute fan, I want SC to be pretty good. Because if I want to get to where I want to go, I'm going to have to be good teams. I'm just, I can't backdoor it the whole way. And that doesn't mean as much. And that, particularly for the Pac-12 standpoint, is as the Pac-12, and you're a member of the conference, obviously, you want to get as much positive pub for your conference. So you want that out there. Doesn't Oregon play Auburn? Auburn, right out of the gate. Yeah, you want that. This All that Oregon with all these guys returning and the offensive line and Justin Herbert, blah, 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 the running back. So you want Oregon to go down to uh, Arlington and put a whooping on Auburn, don't you? Absolutely. DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Camps underway to help break down the Cougars. Will Snowden. Zach Wilson obviously finished the season on a hot note, but I think it's something that people have been kind of glossing over. That was a serious surgery he had in the offseason. Is that something that Cougar fans should be concerned about? Well, of course. I mean, it's something that I'm concerned about. The biggest thing for me is I trust the staff over there, and if Zach is not truly ready to go, you're going to have to sit him and start preparing the Hall kid to get ready to go. But the blessing that they have is they have a backup quarterback who is very capable. He can play. They have to be smart with what they do with Zach. When you have a kid who has so much talent, so much ability, you want to make sure you protect him as long as you can because you don't want an injury to become something that really just holds you back your whole career. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it is time for your feedback. (laughs) Nice giggle. And it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $359 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. I just got a text from a hardcore Utah fan. Yeah. When you making apologies for BYU already. Yep. 
Is DJ a BYU fan? I am. Hardcore. Yep. How do you spell unabashed? How do I? Well, U-N-A-B-A-S-H-E-D. Unabashed. Unabashedly. I just responded back. Unabashedly. There it is. You LDC Latter-day Cougar. Because I think 8-4 and four is a good goal and it'll beat some good teams to get to 8-4. and four. No, because you're making excuses if they don't win games early by saying all oh, this tough schedule, just building it up like it's the tough They have thing. to win games early to get to 8-4. and four. Don't you ever call no, me a homer! It. It's that the schedule is so freaking tough. No, it isn't. Well, All right, I'm a cougar. Fine, I said it. It is for them. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Fine. What's their record against Power 5 teams since they went independent? What's their record against Power 5 teams in the 2019 season? Because that's all that matters. Zero and zero. Yes. So win ball games. Don't give me excuses. The other one is 5 and 13. Give me ball game victories. Okay. And what's their, what's their record against teams who aren't very good? Better. Yes. <laughs> so they went 2-0 and last year in... That I could think of. Now, obviously, they lost to Utah later in the season. Yeah, um, and Washington early, but they but won. They beat two a three games. and nine Arizona team. Well, obviously, yeah. wasn't good. Yes, they beat a seven and five Wisconsin team. Who's decent? Decent. I'll give you yeah. decent. Yeah. They are decent. And they were decent. Five and seven, six and six, seven and five, all decent. Or no, because your power five, your non-conference schedule is a little softer. You got to be six. I'd have and six. to. Indiv- uh, that's a good question. I have to individually right. because SC uh, tends to play a tougher that. non-conference. Oh, schedule. there's no question they yeah. do. They do not play the lower division. Right, and they're both playing, LA schools don't do that. They're playing Notre Dame every year. Notre Dame's been good recently. I, I would say SC. If I'm going to knock them, one of the things I'm not going to knock them on is their schedule. Yeah, because it, and you're comparing it right. with everybody else's schedule. The, the both LA schools traditionally put forth a good three-game non-conference schedule. UCLA just, uh, they're wrapping up the home-and-home with Oklahoma this year, and USC just scheduled Texas and schedules Notre Dame every year. Right. So I'm not knocking them on that at all. Arizona? (laughs) Knock them all day Uh, long. Different stories. Washington State? Washington State historically hasn't played a tough one, no. Washington this year, I think, has Cupcake City, does it not? I think they do. Yeah. They're usually okay. Yeah. I think they might have had somebody back out of it. Oregon? Oregon? Oregon plays big teams. Yeah. I, I, I respect a, that. They have a big game. I think they had a home-and-home home with Michigan State. They had one with Oklahoma a decade ago. And I want to see what Mark Harlan does because they uh, they need to upgrade. It's one of the things that's lacking in their football program, I think. I think they're non-conference. A big regional game. And we talked to Mark on that. We need to maybe dissect some of the stuff that he said tomorrow that he said on Friday because we didn't get that today. Mark that down, fellas, because I've got a million things going on. Mark and it I, down. And, and you guys, as you know, my guys, my staff, you guys <laughs> can do that. Ah, me. your staff. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right, DJ PK, we're out of time. Tony Nostner come up next. We'll see you tomorrow, you know, when the staff gets together and gets that all lined up. Look forward to that. We'll see you.